The early years. Atlas was founded in Stockholm, Sweden, in 1873 by railway engineer Edward Frankel and financiers David Otto Franke and banker Andre Oskar Wallenberg. Frankel became the company's managing director. The future looked bright. The Swedish economy was developing, and a modern railway system was under construction. Atlas's aim was to offer all types of equipment used in the building and subsequent running of a railway network. The Atlas plant was located close to the railway station in the middle of Stockholm, facilitating shipment of manufactured goods. With one third of Swedish rail's order for carriages. The newly established Atlas seemed set for expansion and initially posted decent profits, but in 1876 the Swedish rail's rate of growth slowed abruptly. The profitable years were followed by years of loss. However, with the help of the Wallenberg family, Atlas was able to continue on the road to success. Despite the fact that Andre Oskar Wallenberg was one of the founders and the single largest shareholder. The role of the prominent Wallenberg family in establishing Atlas was relatively modest. However, since his bank, Stockholm's Enschilde Bank, provided substantial loans, the family's interest in the firm increased at the same rate as its losses. Before Wallenberg died in 1886, he made it clear to his son Knut Agathon, K.A., who succeeded him as director of the bank. That the Atlas leadership had to be changed if the negative trend was to be halted. When K. A. Wallenberg took over leadership of the bank, he tried to find a buyer for Atlas. When this failed, he recruited a new managing director. The choice was Oscar Lam, leader of A. B. Separator Alpha Laval. He took over in 1887. Under Lam's leadership, losses decreased. But still, more drastic measures were needed. The bank wrote off much of the company's debt when it went into liquidation. But prior to liquidation, Atlas had begun a strategic shift towards the production of more advanced products, such as steam engines and machine tools. The plant's own machinery was modernized, and planing, milling, and grinding equipment were added. Imports from England included a compressor and a yoke riveter, as was mentioned in a paragraph of the 1888 annual report. The board, having realised the necessity of a more concentrated effort in the production of steam engines and boilers, has for this purpose purchased and installed a number of new machines. One of which is a pneumatic riveter. Little was it realised at Nia Aktiebolaget Atlas, New Atlas, that the firm's orientation towards steam engines and the acquisition of a compressor were in fact paving the way for a completely new business line, one that would make Atlas world famous. It was the company's own need for and use of pneumatic tools and machines that fuelled Atlas's interest and expertise in these products. On its own production lines, Atlas had to upset, in other words, thicken and shorten by hammering, sheet metal, then rivet edges to make them leak-proof. 
A young Swedish engineer, Gustaf Fried, was fully aware of this when he visited England in 1892 and bought a pneumatic caulking hammer for that very purpose. The following year, Atlas acquired a pneumatic riveting hammer from the United States. The new machines were invaluable on the Atlas production line, and the need soon arose for spare parts and replacements. The highly competent craftsmen in the research workshop were given the task of reverse engineering the original machines, without blueprints to guide them. Reed was quick to react when, in 1893, Engineering, a British journal, published a cross-section of a caulking hammer. Three weeks later, he approved a scaled diagram of the same machine, and that very year it went into production. The following year, Reed produced an improved hammer of his own design. Initially, the pneumatic tools produced by Atlas were destined solely for the company's own workshops. They were further developed through interactive collaboration between users, designers and metal workers. But word spread of their greater efficiency and reliability, creating a spontaneous demand from other major Swedish workshops. In 1894, a pneumatic riveting hammer was delivered to one of these, Mortala Werkstad who in 1878 had built the world's first oil tanker. In the following year, Jutteborg's Mechaniska Werkstad bought another. External demand increased, but it was not until 1901 that the first pneumatic tool was officially introduced on the production line.